Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. Whether you're a housing consumer, raider, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear more about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. This is part of ResNet's effort to engage with the ResNet community. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVACR and building performance markets for almost 30 years. I've been interfacing with the fine team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. So there's some distinct megatrends that will increase the number of net zero homes. How is the IECC and the ICC facilitating the drive to net zero homes? How is ResNet collaborating with the ICC on this topic? We're joined today by two executives from the International Code Council, the ICC, to discuss net zero homes and the collaboration with ResNet. Dominic Sims, CEO, shares with us his insights into the research and trends that led the Code Council down the net zero road. And you can learn more about the ICC energy pathway at iccsafe.org forward slash energy. There's also a link in the show notes. Mark Johnson, who's the Executive VP and Director of Business Development, describes the critical engagement of HERS raters and providers in this process and the benefits derived from the shared knowledge. We learn more about this collaboration between ResNet and ICC and how it came about and the details on how it will work. Mark and Dominic also tell us of the role of governments in this process and the roles for ResNet and the HERS raters. We discuss the topic of affordable housing and how the net zero homes address the second most costly category in housing, usually its utilities. You can learn more about the joint ResNet ICC HERS rating company membership. We discussed that topic in episode 71 of Res Talk. And that link is also in the show notes. So let's listen in as Dominic and Mark describe to us the ICC and ResNet collaboration towards net zero energy homes. Good afternoon, Dominic and Mark. Good afternoon, Bill. How are you? Great. Good afternoon, Bill. Welcome back, Mark. Mark's been on a couple times now. Today, I'd like to have you introduce yourselves, and then we'll get into the topic talking about net zero. Dominic, first, please. Thanks, Bill. Again, my name is Dominic Sims. I'm the Chief Executive Officer with the International Code Council. And as some of your audience may know, the Code Council develops model codes and standards for the built environment. And I've been with ICC for right about 20 years now. So it's been a great journey. Very good. And Mark, please. I'm Mark Johnson, Executive Vice President and Director of Business Development at the International Code Council. And I just so happen to also be Vice President on the Board of Directors of ResNet. I've been actively involved with ResNet now for approximately going on five years serving on the board and being very engaged and working closely with ResNet to really put out products and services that really support the use of model codes and particularly where it segues into energy efficiency. Very good. And speaking of energy efficiency, today's topic is a collaboration with ResNet and ICC moving towards net zero homes. Why don't you give me an idea, Dominic, of the trends in society that may be leading to this? Why is this topic coming up? I could tell you from the Code Council's perspective, we have been watching and listening to governments around the globe discuss what the future holds if we don't begin to reduce 
greenhouse gases in the United States has set zero energy building goals for new construction. And many state and local governments are also setting aggressive goals to reduce energy consumption and reduce their carbon footprint. So there's been obviously enough of a discussion and synergy around that for the Code Council to understand that to fulfill our mission, that we needed to provide the tools and resources for communities to achieve those types of goals. Mark, given that you're VP of the ResNet Board of Directors, is that how this connection came about, this collaboration? When did this all start? I think we'd be dating back to somewhere around probably 2014 when we had moved to our Brea office from our Whittier office, which one of our regional offices out here in California. And Dominic was out visiting, and we got together with ResNet CEO Steve Baden and really decided to sit down and strategize of a path where ResNet and ICC could work together in terms of code development, training, development of standards, how we could also work with the assets ResNet had in terms of HERS raters, and how we could utilize that talent in the code enforcement business. That's really how we kick things off. And I think one of the things that Dominic and I talked about too was the importance in terms of how much buildings, both commercial and residential structures, consume energy. I think approximately 40% of our total energy consumption comes from building codes. And that was kind of near and dear to us. We realized that buildings consumed a lot of energy and we could make a lot of inroads there through work with ResNet in the area of codes and standards, but also as importantly, their proper application and enforcement. Yes. And of course, there need to be some kind of structure to this. And that's where the comes into place. So what kind of uh, structure or framework and how is this going to play out? Maybe Dominic can answer that. It's interesting. Your previous question about what moved us in this direction, the Code Council has been developing a model energy code since the late 70s. So we have a lot of experience. And since the mid-2000s, our energy code has increased efficiency by about 40%. So our stakeholders and our members have done a lot of good work, a lot of heavy lifting to improve the IECC. But one of the things we realized, as I said earlier, we realized that with new goals and more aggressive goals, we needed to find a process, I think, that did two things. One is allowed more time to do a deeper dive, to put it in simple terms, where we could bring together people in the building industry, people in academia, experts in the fields, and spend more time to try to develop the next edition of the IACC. The other thing was we needed a bigger consensus, a broader consensus, because it's one thing to develop new energy codes, but it's another thing to get them implemented and widely used in the marketplace. And so Our goal was to try to achieve both of those things by adapting our process that would give it more time to develop a consensus. And our hope is that we'll be able to continue to move the needle because we've made a commitment to increasing energy efficiency with each subsequent addition or each new addition of the IECC, as well as reaching a goal by 2030 to have net zero options in the IECC. 
And even as we spoke before we got started in the recording here, you'd mentioned that the commercial, the materials industry, the components that go into building are becoming more affordable, are evolving and developing themselves. And that's so important. And I like the concept that you mentioned of the communication, the cross-fertilization, because sometimes things move so fast in an area that if you don't slow down and take a look at things, you don't know that things have changed and new things are available. And we also talked about the affordability aspect. Would you like to get into that a little bit now that we're talking about the whole process? We spent about two years actually developing our new energy code framework. We refer to it as leading the way to energy efficiency. And one very important part of that was to make sure that we had a firm policy about cost and that our committees that are working diligently in updating the IECC were aware that cost impacts were important. And working with DOE and the national labs, we'll be able to provide the committee members and participants with good information about the impact of proposed changes. And then the committee will be able to balance the efficiency aspects versus any cost impact. And our hope is that the committee will be able to achieve both, find that sweet spot between increasing energy efficiency, reducing our carbon output, and minimizing cost impact so we could assure that homes are affordable. And goals turn into achievements when they're affordable. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. And understood and well understood. Bravo on that. I understand there might also, is there some kind of publication that talks about this pathway, the leading the way? is There is. In fact, if you go to www.iccsafe.org forward slash energy, you'll be able to find the ICC document that I referred to. Great. So listeners can tap into that and I'll have it in the show notes to the link so they can go right there and learn more about this. So- With the scope and the intent of a forthcoming 2024 IECC, are there some particular bullet points, Mark, that you could speak towards that are being embodied in that, some overviewing bullet points? I think one of the big items, and this was in the 2021 code, so this is here and now, that could be put to use is the appendix chapter of the IECC that deals with helping jurisdictions and states and national governments really make a pathway towards net zero. And that really relies on the ICC ResNet Standard 310. So the appendix chapter in the 2021 IECC, along with the Standard 310 for residential construction, really provides a path forward to getting towards net zero in residential constructions. And that's one thing that's interesting that we're seeing across the United States is that Different jurisdictions and different states are at a different point in their energy efficiency migration. There's some states and some communities that really are out front. They're working to develop stretch codes. And then there's some states or local jurisdictions that are meeting the baseline requirements in the IECC. And ICC, one of our challenges is we have to be flexible for all of these communities and states and work with them. And we've worked with a multitude of states, for instance, more recently, the state of Massachusetts with regards to their energy code, which is pushing the level of energy efficiency and allowing local jurisdictions to adopt that code as a stretch provisions. So we do work with state and local governments on their energy codes. And some like to build in more energy efficiencies and allow communities to make a choice to adopt those energy codes. And then there's other communities 
that really are focused on the baseline requirements. So ICC as an organization has always had to be responsive, flexible, and willing to stretch ourselves. Could you give for the audience, for the listeners, just a quick definition of stretch codes and make sure we're on the same page of the vocabulary? Yeah, I'd say that probably the simplest way to do it in, in maybe layperson's terms is that a lot of communities will build in more energy efficient requirements that maybe go beyond the base model code. One, I guess, great point is probably our International Green Construction Code that we collaborate with ASHRAE on that has higher performance provisions, whether it's water efficiency, whether it's energy efficiency, that maybe go beyond or layer in over the base codes and add in more higher levels of efficiency, whether it's water usage or whether it's energy efficiency. There'll be this work together with ResNet. And Dominic, can you explain how that process will flow? Our collaboration with ResNet, first of all, I have to tell you, it's been a real pleasure working with ResNet over the years because I think our goals in this area are so closely aligned. But it's Steve Baden's suggestion. We are looking very closely and trying very hard to find members of the HERS community that are interested in serving on our committees or subcommittees to help us develop the next edition of the IECC. And some of the supplemental material that we're going to be developing around energy and energy efficiency and carbon reduction, because we find that PERS raiders are very well positioned to provide leadership because of their knowledge in the area of building science and their field and practical experience working in the energy efficiency area. As well as the fact that I think PERS raiders don't have a vested interest in any one type of technique or material. So they bring a very, I think, healthy and practical perspective to our code development process. So we've been working with Steve and the rest of the ResNet staff to let HERS Raiders know that there's opportunities to serve on ICC committees. And likewise, ResNet has been very welcoming to ICC members to work on some of the joint standards that ResNet and ICC have been developing. Would an interested rater reach out through ResNet to find out about the opportunities there? Is there a process for application or volunteerism? (laughs) Either. Either way, they can reach out to ResNet or to the Code Council. Either way, we'll find them the right opportunities that fit their time frame. Steve has talked about the opportunity to work together and collaborate with this. What will be the actual changes inside the code? Mark maybe could speak to that. We talked a little bit about the fact that buildings consume a lot of energy. Getting down to the next level, what are the actual elements of the construction process that will be looked at in an overview? I think one of the hot topics right now is the carbon index, having a carbon index rating. Right now, we have an energy rating index. We have a water rating index. But really looking at measuring the carbon output, I think, is critical. And I think you'll see ICC being very actively engaged in working within the code, but also with standard organizations. The other thing, too, that we haven't talked about, which I think is huge, is the issue of enforcement. We focus a lot on putting out really good energy codes, energy standards, working with other partners in the industry, such as ASHRAE. But we sometimes forget or omit to realize that what gets measured gets done. So it's really about implementation, too. It's about getting these codes adopted, first and foremost, and then not just adopted, but 
implemented. And that's where I think that where Dominic and I discussed, how can we really engage ResNet HERS raiders? And we know their talent in, in knowing energy. They know building systems. They know energy codes. And to work with ResNet on a joint certification program called the IECC HERS Compliance Specialist Certification, I think was a huge step forward because it took the talent, the field talent of HERS raiders, as well as certification knowledge of the code, and allowed them to not only just focus on energy performance, and energy ratings, but also help in the code compliance space. So I think that's huge. And I think that goes hand in glove with good codes. It's really the enforcement aspect where you bring in the training, you bring in the certified individuals. And with HERS Raiders, that provides an excellent workforce to really not just be out there rating the efficiency of homes, but as importantly, being a real resource on code compliance. And there's actually a previous episode we spoke with Lawrence from ICC and Laurel Elam talking about this joint membership for companies. So that's episode 71 for any listeners who want to go back and dive into more of those details. But certainly does play in and talk and reinforces this whole concept of collaboration between the two organizations. What's the future look like? Great question. Everybody wants to know, right? <laughs> well, the market's down today again. So Yeah, we're recording this in late January, but it could be any time. You could be saying that same thing, Dominic. Is there a, a next, we're talking about the 2024 code, 2027. Are there any other facets in the energy world that will evolve into this discussion? Just to step back just for a second to underscore what Mark just said. Our first mission is to get the 2021 code adopted and used. And to do that, we, with a number of organizations, launched an effort at the beginning of this year. It's called Code on a Mission. And Code on a Mission is we've set a goal to get at least a third of the U.S. population covered by the 2021 IECC by the end of 2023. And that effort's being supported by DOE with grants that are available on a competitive basis for communities that are interested in updating their energy code requirements. We still have some communities in the United States that are still using the 2009 edition of the IECC. So it's one thing, as I said earlier, to develop codes and standards. It's another thing to get them used. So that's job one. But to your question about what does the future hold, I mentioned the Code Council's commitment to increase energy efficiency in every future edition of the IECC. I know that the committees that are working on this are working really hard to do that. What are some of the practical areas that they're focused on? I probably can't tell you that today, Bill, because I'm really not sure. I do know that there, I think we received about 400 plus proposed changes to the IECC. So the committee's going to be churning through those over the next year. As I said, weighing the how much they improve energy efficiency versus how much it costs. I'm confident that the committee at the end of the process will come up with the next edition of the IECC that we'll be proud of. After that, I think the industry is continuing to transform itself. New materials, new methods. I think the construction and real estate community has come to the realization that Selling energy-efficient homes is good for business. And as Mark mentioned, if we could help reduce consumers' energy bills, it's kind of a win-win. 
So I think there's a lot of exciting things in the future in the energy efficiency and carbon reduction arena because it's being driven both by the goals that governments have set and also the marketplace. The demands of the housing consumer, sure. To follow up on Dominic's point, Mark had mentioned earlier about the cost of utilities and how this factors into net zero. So Mark, do you want to talk about the cost to the consumer of utilities? Yeah, I think one of the big concerns is a lot of times we get fixated on the biggest cost, which is usually your mortgage. And a lot of times people, when they look at affordability, they stop there. But as we've been seeing, utility costs keep going up and up. And whether it's energy or whether it's water, both of those have a tremendous impact on a consumer's pocketbook. And it's usually the second highest cost that a homeowner has to really confront. So I think that really what we're looking at from a model code standpoint is to make sure that we're looking at all aspects of cost. A lot of times we forget the fact of the cost of utilities and the cost of structures that are not energy efficient or are not efficient with the use of water. So I think those need to be factored into the equation. I know that what I found really intriguing was basically in talking with Mr. Hensley on the board of directors of ResNet, about some of the associations that are getting involved with regards to energy efficiency and talking with groups like the Habitat for Humanity, where they're actively supporting energy codes and also a collaborator with ResNet because they share concerns on the utility costs for their constituents who suffer with being able to find affordable housing. I found that to be very interesting that Habitat Humanity took those costs very seriously and were actively involved in what ResNet was doing and also getting more involved in energy codes. So I see that as a positive sign that people are taking a more holistic look at cost and affordability. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen, for talking about this topic and the collaboration between ResNet and ICC on the topic of net zero, net zero homes and net zero housing. Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with the audience before we give them back their ears? Dominic, I'll let you go first. Bill, I just want to thank you for hosting this podcast. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Good. And it's good to get the word out. And like you spoke about, Dominic, it was the Raiders are where the rubber meets the road, and they should be involved in the process and know and help bring it about an efficient process as well as efficient housing. <laughs> Absolutely. Mark, closing thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to really give a special thanks to Steve Baden over at ResNet for really engaging ICC and really reaching out and really working with us collaboratively to see how we could work together to make buildings perform better and more efficiently. And also, too, I'd like to just point out that Dominic Sims, our CEO, will be the keynote speaker at this year's ResNet conference. So I'd like to do kind of a shout out to Dominic, who's always been willing to jump in and be available when needed. And he's always been there when called upon. And it's amazing to have a CEO like that. Thank you. That's fantastic. And this episode will air on February 7th. So it'll be before the conference. So everybody gets a chance to hear Dominic's voice just a little bit beforehand then gets to see him at the conference. And the virtual aspects of it too, I'm sure. So that's great the way they're going to deliver the conference this year. Thanks again, gentlemen, for coming on the Res Talk podcast and sharing this important message. And we look forward to having you back again in the future. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. Hope you heard some things here that'll change your perspectives or prompt some questions or satisfy your curiosity about the world of ResNet. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. Quote for today, 
by Lynn Manuel Miranda. The fun for me in collaboration is, one, working with other people just makes you smarter. That's proven. If you're interested in feeding back to Resna what you heard here today, would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If not subscribed, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.